I'm a handshake tape, I'm a spud with a plane. I'm a miracle that's great day by day. I ain't your average quitter, I don't put up a golf. I'm doing the best I can. The trunk tater. Don't be hated. Good morning and welcome back to the Trump Tater Podcast. I'm Jamie Renda, the host, and with me today is Bob McAtee, who filled in for me yesterday. How are you, Bob? Good morning, Jamie. Glad to be here. Thanks. Well, Brian said you did an excellent job yesterday and that uh, I I can feel comfortable leaving you in charge anytime. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) Um, So anyway, let's go ahead and get started on a couple of local issues that uh, are impacting Utah, but actually it impacts everyone. And we'll start out, and usually I start out with my Trump tater of the day, but I just don't know who it's going to be today. So we're just going to have to take that. Hmm. uh, Do you have a suggestion offhand, uh, Bob? Well, I do kind of like, is it, is it Congressman? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think that's my nominee. Well, fill, fill us in on what uh, Senator Hawley did that gives him the Trump Tater of the Day Award. Well, he's the one that is, I mean, he's seen the gutless wonders in the court say, you know, basically the court's not answering the door. They don't want to hear the case. They don't want to be the decider, which is what they're supposed to be, right? They're supposed to ar- ar- be the arbiters of truth and, and listen and make informed decisions about things like elections. But they're not, they're not answering the door. They got the lights out. They're just, you know, on the lazy boy, just they don't want to hear about these election violations or, you know audits or anything. They don't want to deal with it. So so then it would fall on the Congress, which constitutionally, um, the vice president as the president of the Senate and the Congress both have a role. And so Hawley is stepping up. He's saying, hey, look, I'm going to object to this. I, I smell a rat. I see a problem. There's there's documented voter fraud with affidavits. I don't care how many times the mainstream media says that there isn't. There is. And I, I call this the the JFK assassination of elections, meaning it, it's not going to go away. 74 million people aren't going to forget they had an election stolen from them. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be hard to say whether it would have changed things or not, right? But we don't know because I watched the video of the Georgia Senate committee where they, they said there's no audit trail on these, these voting machines, the Dominion ones. When, when they're adjusting, adjudicating the ballots, nobody can tell what the original ballot was, how many changes have been made to it. You can throw extra votes in there. You can delete votes out. I, no one knows what went on. It's just horrendous. So, but he's a guy stepping forward. And then Louis Gohmert also in the House. I mean, he's a contender, right? Because he wants to sue to make sure we all know the vice president could just decide what to do with these electoral votes or to say, we don't know what happens. So it, it's kicked to Congress. So that's probably enough comment from me. Well, he came out yesterday and said he'll be one of the first senators to jump on board on contesting this election. And I, I think what the news was yesterday is Walmart's response. Did you see the tweet from Walmart? I didn't see it. I re- I rely on other people to watchdog Twitter for me. But I, but I know you said that Walmart called him out on that. And then he called Walmart out on their their slave labor they use to make their cheap products from China. You know, so what maybe you could fill us in on what what they said about Holly. Yeah, so basically, uh, Walmart and they, they, Walmart's came back and apologized and everything and said it was one of their employees that went, went minute to put it, be on their personal um, uh, Twitter feed and not on the Walmart. But I think that's BS. I think that's just a way of covering for themselves. But basically, Walmart responded, you'll get your two hours of fame in and hashtag sore loser. And uh, Senator Hawley immediately responded and said, now that you've offended 74 million Americans, are you going to apologize for your slave labor? And uh, then he came back and kind of criticized them on their how much they pay their employees. And and uh, then Walmart came out and issued a very clear apology. Uh, but I think it's too late. The damage is done. There's 74 million Americans that may reconsider their shopping at Walmart. I was just getting back to where I shopped at Walmart again. So, <laughs> well, You know, me too, to tell you the truth. Um, and I, I, it was scary when Walmart pulled all the bullets off their shelves, right? They decided, hey, we're not going to, we're going to cancel culture bullets, you know? Um, that was interesting. Then they quickly put them back out. So yeah, there's a lot of politics, just like we mentioned yesterday on, on the Trump Peter podcast that some hotels 
are saying they're just not going to be open on the 6th when Trump has called for supporters to be in D.C. Um, you know, and we sent the letter kind of for moral support, right, to the president from the members, select members of the Utah GOP SEC and then other supporters like yourself, state delegates. So, so boy, there's a battle drawn up. They can see, I, I don't think I've ever paid this much attention to an electoral college vote. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see we have some brave congressmen and senators who will step up. Now, we need someone who will give a second. Um, we know that Mitch McConnell frowns on it. But but this is where bravery is called for. And and I don't think, you know, sometimes I was talking on the show yesterday. Sometimes you got 15 or 20 percent of Republicans are really loud about something in it. It sounds like it's everybody. But, no, it's just the 20 percent. But I've seen the polls where it's 60 to, to 79 percent of Republicans think the election fraud played a role in this election. And even 17% of Democrats say they think the election was stolen from Trump. So there's a lot of consensus here. Yeah, well, I think part of those 17% actually voted for Trump, and that's why they feel that way, too. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, you're right. They like yeah. the tax cuts and the jobs. Yeah, so, but I, I think other Democrats that were on the fence that maybe voted for Biden also re- recognize and see the common sense out there that uh, Biden lost and Trump won. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about, again, what a Trump-tater is, because Senator Hawley definitely fits into that. And Trump-tater is someone who outclasses, outshines, outperforms, defeats someone or something, and a dependable and exemplary person. So Senator Hawley is definitely our Trump-tater of the day. Um, and we'll see on January 6th that there's some other Trump-taters that stand up there with him in the Senate. I know in the House uh, we have a few. Um, last Sunday, um, our new congressman, Blake Moore, came to um, our Sunday homeless where we feed the homeless and yeah. had a good conversation with him and feeling pretty good about Blake Moore. We'll kind of it's a wait and see the money that went behind Blake and getting him elected made me a little bit nervous. But uh, I think Blake's going to be his own man. Do you, have you met Blake at all? I have met Blake. I, I met him first at like a uh, meet the candidate event, a small venue. I uh, got to meet him, got to talk about my pet subject. Let's harden the grid. Um, he's not opposed. He does seem to listen, you know? Um, so I, you know, I give him all a clean slate, even, uh, uh, you know, a lot of conservatives aren't so thrilled about Lieutenant Governor Cox, governor elect, but I, I figure, you know, let's, let's just wipe the, the slate clean for a little while, see how it goes. Um, well, I, I, I was with you till you threw Cox into that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cox, well, Cox has already messed up his clean slate. Well, uh, I, I just wipe it off. One more time, you know, new year, new thing. Let's see how it goes. Um, same with uh, his lieutenant governor. I, I like her too, uh, Deirdre Henderson. She's, she's been a, a conservative voter in the Senate. So we'll, we'll see if uh, there's a little balancing goes on there. Okay, for our listeners out there, if you want to give Mike Lee and Mitt Romney a call and tell them how you feel and that you want to see this election contested, Mike Lee's number is 202-224-5444. And Mitt Romney, who we don't have a chance in hell doing this, but still calling, giving him a hard time, is 202-224-5251. Again, Mitt Romney, 202-224-5251. Give him a call and give Mike Lee a call and let them know that uh, you want this election contested. You want to be able to hear um, the information that has been collected, the people who've put their lives on the line on given an affidavit on what they saw during this this election cycle and at least given it a chance to be heard uh, as our court systems, even though the Supreme Court did put, um, I believe it's Sidney Powell's, it's either, I, I can't remember, there's so many different lawsuits, but one of them is on the docket for the 22nd of January. So I think that's pretty convenient to wait until after the election. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they might actually call Burgess Owens too, because Burgess has not congratulated Biden yet. He's kind of seems to be sticking with the president on, on, you don't have to concede. No, no, you know, I think Burgess is already on board on that. Uh, Matter of fact, I saw an article, uh, I think on KSL or somewhere that Burgess is on board on contesting election, but I believe we have enough people in the house that are going to contest the election. It's the Senate that we need more pressure on. Yeah. Well, I figured the more we get from the house, the more that can maybe help stiffen the spine in the Senate, you know, and, Maybe even Mitch McConnell, because I've, I've seen comments online, people making that if the Republican Party doesn't fight for itself, they're going to leave it. I don't know if they really will or not, but but I can see their point. If you guys won't stand up for yourselves, we need a party that will. 
Well, and you're you're seeing that in Georgia right now that uh, there's so many uh, conservatives that are not going to go out and vote in the Senate race. Oh, uh, and so that's really going to hurt us in the Senate if those people don't change their mind and go out and vote. But it's kind of hard if you don't have the Republican leaders themselves standing up and fighting for it. Yeah, well, the the Senate hearing there was great. I I think they need to vote, and that's what the locals are saying. Like Newt Gingrich, a powerful voice in Georgia. And he's been advocating that, that everybody needs to go vote. Conservatives need to vote. Uh, at least if they vote, there's something to audit. You know, they can well, go back and audit. We're gonna we're gonna finish this conversation when we get back on the Trumpator in just a minute. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc., 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation, Maryland DM 1492, Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation, Commission License Number DC 83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. I'm Jamie Renda here with Bob again, and we're going to shift on to a and local issue, but this is not really a local issue. It impacts everybody. And uh, that is a sting operation that took place in Weber County, a prostitution sting. Um, so, Bob, um, what is your thought on this? We'll, we'll get your take. Well, first, you know, I mean, there's 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 two sides here, right? There's um, there's law enforcement. But on the other hand, this is the side where, you know, libertarians don't like this. Right. And across the border in parts of Nevada, prostitution's legal uh, here. Apparently, there's 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 always questions of entrapment. 
when you have a prostitution state? It's like, well, would this guy have gone out and solicited on his own or was it because you did this text or sent a picture or whatever? I don't know how they do it, honestly. But, and is it the best use of resources? Is this what we want our police doing? Were these, were these gentlemen engaging in these activities going to hurt you? You know, uh, maybe their marriages, if they're married, yeah. But, but I'm more worried about gang members, honestly, that sort of thing. I'm more worried about reckless drivers. And, and what do you think, Jamie? Well, you know, they, they put it, you know, the way that they're trying to at least on the KSL article that I'm reading, we're trying to help protect at-risk teens. Uh, nowhere did I see that any of these 18 were actively soliciting young teens or teenagers at all. None, none of it says it's for underage sex. And uh, so I, I don't know. I see this sting as basically, and maybe I have a, a different mindset because my mindset definitely has changed as our freedoms are being taken away from us. And uh, I look at the money for 18 individuals for this sting operation to have taken place for the uh, judicial, the cost in our judicial system that it will take place and for the money that's going to be put into any incarceration or we're going, it's going to be at least a million dollar uh sting operation and i look at that million dollars and i think because i'm actively working with our homeless population the chronically homeless and we're looking at possibly doing pods and i'm thinking you know that million dollars these pods are five um five thousand dollars each so i look at and that's 200 pods that's enough to house all of our all of our and more than enough to house all of our chronically homeless people in a pod. So I just don't see the trade-off being worth it. And I see that 18 people had their lives run. And on top of these 18 people having their lives run, it definitely impacted, you know, the innocent lives, their wives, their children. They're not going to be able to provide for their families. Um, I think there has to be more compassionate way to even deal with some people that are out there actively seeking sex online. And uh, if it's, you know, I I don't know necessarily if I want to see it legalized, but decriminalized may be something that I'd be interested in looking at because it's a lot of money that's going into. um, And then I look at coronavirus that, you know, we're all locked down. uh, We're all kind of shifted away from any personal contact or with each other. And uh, that loneliness that sets in, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of creep in here. And uh, I just feel like there's a lot of exploitation of these 18 individuals that were arrested. Well, you know, that reminds me of a story. I heard a mother tell about her, her young daughter. I think she's 17 or 18. She works at Walmart and she's kind of a smaller girl. She's like five foot two. Um, to put it in sex trafficker terms, you know, you could pick her up in the parking lot and throw her in your trunk is kind of the point. And what happened was she was working at the Walmart, I think in Layton it was, and these two truck drivers start following this girl around, right? And I think they've sized her up as, yeah, she would sell it, whatever the, where, wherever they do their sex slave trading, you know, to send them south of the border. They were going, yeah, she's, she's a winner. Let's get her. And, and they had to, they had to call the police to stop these guys from following this girl around. I mean, it's pretty scary. She could have been in a truck headed to who knows where and across the border. And that's one reason I like President Trump's wall. A wall, it's not just about stopping immigration, although it's that, and, and there's a military virtue to it, but it also stops the, the sex and drug trafficking that goes on our border and causes a lot of damaged lives. So we don't want this to be easy. And, and yes, I would rather see them actively protecting that. If they know guys are going to Walmart and looking for victims, then there's where I want the sting operation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you catch someone who's actively involved in soliciting a minor or actively involved in taking away someone's freedom in order to put them in sex trafficking, um, I mean, I'm all for those things seven days a week. So but I I just I I just saw this as exploiting 18 kind of messed up individuals. And, uh, and now we're going to further mess up their lives versus maybe getting them the help that they need if they have sex addictions or other problems. Um, well, at this time, sad, so. and it makes, makes me wonder instead of the full court press of prosecution, could, could there be something lesser, you know, could there be like a ticket, uh, a fine, something where, because that way, and maybe you get two strikes and then a third, you're criminally prosecuted or something, you know, maybe they, maybe they could ratchet this down. It's just a thought. 
I think they could ratchet it down, but I mean, a lot of the damage is done. Their pictures have been posted all over the internet now, and uh, and maybe right. it's a deterrent. But I think in most addictions, you don't see uh, this yeah. as a deterrent because people just don't think logically with their brains uh, when they have an addiction of of any type of nature, whether it's drugs, alcohol or pornography or sex addiction. So I don't know. I, I just see that there's a lot of damage done on a situation that I didn't see that they actually accomplished anything that protected uh, at-risk teens the way they went about it or the trafficking. But I may be wrong. I'm willing to uh, to maybe view it differently. I'm just seeing freedom a little bit different right now that even if someone's values don't align with mine, do I really want to criminalize those values? And you know, uh, I will say this: Sheriff Ryan Arbon, the the Weber County Sheriff, he is he is usually pretty open to discussing things. He might be, you might want to approach him or have him as a guest on. Uh, maybe he could talk about, you know, what their objectives are, and maybe he would even listen to something like, "Hey, at least when the coronavirus is active in your jail from month to month, you know, because there keeps being outbreaks." Maybe it's time to consider, could you give these guys a fine and a warning and, and not post their pictures on the first offense? Something like that. You know, get his feel on that or get his reason to know why he thinks we need to do it just this way and we need to spend this money here. Um, I like Sheriff Urban, and he, he comes and talks at our Republican Party meetings. You know, when, when we invite him, he'll come as a public servant and give us an update on law enforcement. So you just made me think of that when we were talking about, well, I know this guy. You know, what, what is his thinking? I think that's a, you know, I've had Randy Watt on several times, the police chief here in Ogden, but I've never asked uh, about getting him on. So I will definitely reach out. And I had an event for Gage Frower and for uh, I just went blank. Sheriff Arbon. Is that how you say his last name? That, that is his name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at Brixton's a couple of years ago when he, I guess a little over a year and a half ago when they ran. And uh, anyway, yeah, I'll get I'll call him on and I want to discuss this again. You know, if you would ask me this a year, year and a half ago, my thoughts may have been, been a little bit different. But at this point, my 23 year old has me convinced that uh, freedom is freedom. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just I'm looking at things a little bit different right now and in protecting our freedoms and how much I really want law enforcement involved in personal decisions unless they definitely impact children or, you know, vulnerable populations. And I see where this does impact vulnerable populations. But I was listening to a TED Talk and on someone, it was actually a sex worker talking about uh, what sex workers want. And uh, then she compared, you know, in meat packing plants and in other industries of um, trafficking that people are very exploited as well. And we don't approach it in the same way. So anyway, when we get back, we'll have a little bit further discussion and we'll get on to some other news of the day. How much time do we have left here, Brian? I missed your hand count. So, Bob, I'll let you have these last 30 seconds on uh, on what you feel about this issue. Last 30 seconds. OK, well, you know, I am kind of a conservatarian by nature. So I I believe that the government has a role to regulate, but they also should protect our freedoms. And and I think, you know, a lot of sheriffs, they'll point uphill and they'll say, hey, look, I'm just enforcing the law. Uh, talk to those guys if you want the law change. But maybe they do have flexibility. So I like to see that flexibility used or given. And and maybe we can talk about other things, these so-called victimless crimes like, like marijuana use. Uh, is it a medicine? Is it a drug? Or is it maybe kind of both? You know, maybe that's something else to talk about amongst our conservatarian libertarian friends here perfect great transition Radio News with Lance Pride. The new highly contagious coronavirus stain from the United Kingdom has spread to Southern California. No other additional information was given. The first case of the coronavirus variant in the United States was detected in Colorado on Tuesday. Dr. Fauci said he wasn't surprised by the reports and suggested there are likely others in California and other states due to international travel. It should be noted that there is no science to indicate the strain is deadlier. Scores of Cuban refugees blocked a border crossing from Mexico to the United States near Ciudad Juarez. On Wednesday, dozens of Cubans asked immigration officials to allow them entry into El Paso, Texas, to look at their asylum cases. The refugees said they were fleeing political persecution by the Castro regime. 
Representative Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, says up to 100 lawmakers will vote not to accept Joe Biden's victory when Congress convenes on January 6th to count the Electoral College votes. USA Radio News. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. A battle is brewing on Twitter between a lawmaker and retail giant Walmart. USA Radio News' Tim Berg has more. A Walmart spokesman says a tweet from the company's official Twitter account to U.S. Senator Josh Hawley was mistakenly sent on Wednesday. The tweet to the Missouri Republican read, Go ahead, get your two-hour debate, hashtag sore loser. The tweet has since been deleted from Walmart's Twitter account. Hawley, who said he would raise objections next week when Congress meets to affirm President-elect Joe Biden win in the 2020 election responded to the Bentonville-based retailer from his own account. Thanks, Walmart, for your insulting condescension. Now that you've insulted 75 million Americans, will you at least apologize for using slave labor? The Missouri senator tweeted. A Walmart spokesman saying on Wednesday that the tweet was mistakenly posted by an employee on the social media team. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. So we're going to wrap up this uh, this thought. We're going to go a little bit into another perhaps vice that people have, and it's been a, uh, a challenge throughout most of the 50 United States, and Utah now being one of them, and that's marijuana. So, Bob, on this, the way I look at this, is we were talking while we were off air, is that this is definitely a vice. It's definitely something that harms people. And uh, but does it rise to the level of a crime if it's consenting people on both ends? And uh, again, it's it's something we've criminalized and not, not and I'm not saying in any way I approve of it because I don't not in Las Vegas or anywhere else. But Bob mentioned that in the beginning is that, you know, just a six hour drive away. This would not be an illegal activity where here in Utah it is. Right. For Well, a lot of things are legal in Nevada, right? They've got gambling, prostitution. Uh, I guess they're the libertarian state and and recreational marijuana, which which is interesting because here we've kind of got it locked down. It's medical. Show me your prescription. You know, all that stuff. How much? You know, where'd you get that? But I, I, I think we would do well to maybe open up the freedom window a little bit because uh, our legislature passed this a lot with with pain relief in mind. And marijuana apparently is really good for that and end of life stuff. They were thinking those things, cancer patients, people with chronic pain. But I read a study, a German study with 4,500 adults. And it said that uh, those that were given medical cannabis had 16% lower fasting insulin levels. They also had a two inch uh, smaller waistline, right? So it it has other benefits apparently. And I, I think there is a matter of moderation just like alcohol, you know, I mean, people can use it and be okay, or they can abuse it, or they can just straight up kill themselves. But, but this, that's a problem in America, as far as our, our uh, insulin levels and our, our waistlines that get us into heart trouble and diabetes trouble. Boy, if, if a moderate use of this could help people, I, I'd like to see more freedom for people to try it. And maybe at a regulated amount, either the, the, you know, how many ounces you can get or, or how strong can it be? Because I am concerned about genetically modified marijuana that, you know, takes the 4% THC that's in natural stuff, you know, plus or minus, and ratchets it up to 40%. Well, now people might fry their brains. I don't, I don't want 19-year-olds experimenting and, and ruining their brain because there, there were no guardrails. Um, so I'm not a perfect libertarian. But I, I think guardrails are okay. 
Uh, and I think the, the limits, just like on alcohol, we don't allow, you know, all kinds of alcohol for sale. And I think we could regulate marijuana, but I would like to see freedom for people to use it for medical purposes um, more. So that, that's my take. And, and to get the stigma off it so doctors can use it, because if we're overlooking a diabetes study and people are taking drugs that hurt other stuff or for heart attacks, I don't, I don't want to overlook that. Yeah, it's kind of complicated. And even the way it's been regulated here, it's it's made it where those who are going to profit off of the marijuana uh, industry. Um, it's, you know, it's not the little people. It's not, <laughs> I mean, they're big pharma uh, people or people that already have significant funds. And so e- even in the um, the selling of the marijuana under the current law that we have definitely made it where there's a limited amount of people who can profit off this industry. That's true. You always have to follow the money with uh, legislation that like with ma- mask mandates and stuff, every once in a while someone points to then how come cigarettes are legal? <laughs> you know, they kill a lot of people too. In fact, yeah. may I bring this up? So COVID maybe it's killed around 335,000 people is, you know, not, li- is, not likely, but about right, half- at least some of those, right. Some were COVID only others. I think, I think maybe they were kind of on the edge anyway, and this pushed them over. Right. So it's like partial credit, but people don't realize there is a CNBC article. If you search for, you know, CNBC, the, the business people, um, that talked about the third leading cause of death in America. The, the first leading cause I think was heart attacks. Number two was cancer. People don't know number three because no one has an incentive to tell you about it. They have every incentive to cover it up is medical errors. Uh, yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand uh, people a year die from yes. med- medical mal- malpractice. Right. So, so we've got three hundred thousand hit from COVID. I mean, maybe half that, right? Yeah. And we are, oh my gosh, three alarm fires, sirens, everything, right? We're closing down stuff where people are shaking other people. Why don't you have your mask on? And yet, where's the warning about careful in the hospital or careful when you go to the pharmacist? They might have made a mistake. You might die. Uh, it's it's a similar death toll, but no reaction, right? No warning. And to me, it's quite the contrast. And And I think we need to fix it. I think we should give a warning. I think people do need to... There's a risk element if you're going to check in the hospital or if you're going to get some IV, right? Maybe you should have a patient advocate, or maybe if you can just go to the, the clinic down the street, get it done there without the full-on hospitalization, you might be safer. So I would like to see people look into that. But see, the difference is uh, the lobbies, right? The doctors are a very powerful lobby. You know, don't talk bad about us or, you know, but... But the legislators need to protect the public and and we need to crack down on medical malpractice or incompetence or just, you know, maybe they need more staffing. I, I don't know. Do you have a thought on this, Jamie? Well, you know, this goes back to my mother and I don't know, Bob, if you know, but my mother passed away uh, last November the 13th. Oh, and uh, no. she got she's been in an assisted living facility. So she's oh. been on a lockdown and she got coronavirus from her hospice aid. Uh, and uh, anyway, I ended up bringing her home and caring for her, and she passed away here. But a year ago, she went into the hospital for a simple procedure, and she came out, and she ended up with a superbug. Yeah. And uh, anyway, was sick. I mean, for it was a superbug. It was an Asian. It was one that was like very, very rare. But um, anyway, she ended up back in the hospital for almost a month. The only way we could go in and see her is if we had full gear on and gloves and mask and everything, but she picked that up in the hospital. So, and, and I don't know necessarily if that's a, it probably is medical malpractice in the sense that somebody didn't wash their hands or use the proper sanitation procedures. Um, right. When she was there, but. And that, yeah. that can take some real detailed cleaning to do that. Right. So if the person before you had it and they didn't clean the bed or whatever, or the operating it, you know, it, but that should be liability on them. And then we have, look at how we have just over reported on COVID, right? Which isn't the biggest killer, but is there any reporting on medical malpractice? No, they want that hushed up. They don't want lawsuits. You know, they have every incentive to cover it up. And well, well I'll throw an interesting one on just because we have just a couple minutes left in this segment. I was reading an article last night about a male nurse and I'm trying to think of where this was at. It was in the United States. Mel nurse in, had sex with a COVID positive patient 
at the facility. And then this patient puts out online and shows pictures of the, his, this male nurse took off his PPE, had it on the floor and all that. And so I was reading that and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, but at the very end it said, if convicted, they both could face 10 years in prison. And I'm going, why are they going to face 10 years in prison? I mean, I don't think that, you know, the nurse should have been fired. I mean, lots of things, but uh, so uh, I've got to follow up on that today because I'm going, what crime did they commit? Uh, to these two consult- consenting adults that they're going to face could face 10 years in prison. Yeah, so, I don't know. Anyway, wow. that, may, that made me kind of think of the coronavirus, medical malpractice, all that in a nutshell there. But I'm going 10 years in prison for consensual sex between two adults, whether I agree or don't agree with the activity. I mean, I'm just going, why would they get 10 years in prison for that? But uh, yeah, that's, when, that's when, scary. When, Especially when in California, someone knowingly can have, be HIV positive and have sex with someone else without telling them, and there's no criminal intent there. And that's completely wrong. I mean, they talk about a need for disclosure. But I, I looked at that, all those medical errors and you know accidents and stuff. I'm like, if we had reporting like that, people would be terrified going to the hospital or the doctor, right? They, yeah. They'd at least assess the risk better. And maybe the doctors would get on, right? Maybe they could make some improvements. Well, you know, they probably look at it this way, though, Brian, uh, is the fear that it would install could be more detrimental to people's health in the sense that they wouldn't go to the doctor. I'm not saying they shouldn't be aware of it, but I I don't want to do the same thing people have done with coronavirus is install so much fear that they live a life that's more detrimental than just exercising their daily freedoms and going about their daily lives. And uh, so I, I don't think every installing fear in people is necessary, but, you know, definitely more public awareness uh, that the dangers that are out there and, and, and maybe putting them at the high, you know, which ones are the highest risk. And that way people can go in and be, you know, monitor more carefully themselves as they make those medical choices. Yeah. And, you know, people have been scared to go to the doctor because of coronavirus. So how many deaths has that caused? I look yeah. at the death rate and it's only up about 1.8% from what I see. So it, it's not huge, but how many of those are suicides or overdoses or just, I didn't go to the doctor about my heart condition because I was worried about COVID. Um, yeah. yeah. To me, I think we've made the boogeyman too big on the COVID thing and we need to reassess how much risk is there and, and what are we trading? You know, we're we trading other deaths for that. And Let's look at that medical establishment. I think it needs some more regulation, maybe self-regulation. If they could do the job, great. We'll leave them alone. But people should be worried. I totally agree. Well, think about what you want to talk about on this last segment of Trump Tater Bob. We'll be back in a minute. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the hope for a COVID vaccine on the rise, shifting political landscape, and the election at an end, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text MONEY to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance. Text MONEY to 411411 and experience Vantage Point for free. Text MONEY to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now. Don't wait. Text MONEY to 411411. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. 
And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. We're going to kind of wrap this last segment up with a little bit of everything. Uh, first, I just want to give my condolences uh, to Lou Shirtliff's family and constituents here in my area. Lou Shirtliff was my uh, house member. Uh, definitely don't align with Lou on her politics, but uh, just a fascinating lady. And, you know, at 85, she went out and ran a heck of a campaign and ended up winning uh, again in a very competitive campaign against Travis Campbell. Um, Bob, did you know much about Lou? Well, you know, I did know that, like what you said, she was uh, kind of beloved in that district. She's well known. She, she's been a representative running for reelection. I'd seen her around. Um, I'm kind of I played for the other team, right? I was supporting Travis Campbell, who, who got like just about 49 percent of the vote, which against an incumbent is was. Really well, she wasn't, she wasn't an incumbent. Uh, she actually ran and was in the House until 2008 and then uh, and then came back and was running again. So she was not a current incumbent at this time at this point. OK, OK. She, well, yeah, she, she had been out of commission for 10 years and came back to to try to take the seat back. OK, well, that is a loss, although, you know, these are the hazards when we're electing people people well advanced in their years. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure the Democrat Party will fill her, but that, that's a concern I have with Biden, too. I mean, he really is the oldest president we've ever, well, if he actually was elected, he would be the oldest. It's 78, I think it is. Um, that's that's kind of when Reagan, apparently, his mind started going. Um, and if people love these people and want to vote them in, I, that's, they certainly can. Um, but it, it's it's a loss. And, and then, well, that now that congressman who died at 41 years old, that was a real shocker. He had got COVID and just uh, died really unexpectedly. So, I mean, you never know. But uh, it, it is a loss. And I, I don't know. It's it's wow. It's yeah. just really a shocker when that happens. It is. Well, you know, I'm sitting here. I do think 85 is pretty old to be going. But for a House seat, you know, Utah, I don't think it's a major position that can be filled quickly but uh but speaking of biden being the oldest president if trump does not end up getting to fill his second term in office if i hope he does come back in 2024 he would technically then be the oldest so i'm not going to discount age at this point i think it's all an individual um yes position because i don't feel like trump fills his age currently i mean he, he he has an energy that out surpasses mine and he's 20 20 years older than me and then I look. Yes. You know, here we, no, I agree. We we live I, in a, a predominant religion here, where yeah. uh, our prophet now is ninety one years old. Is that how old he is? Ninety ninety one, and he outpaces yeah. me too. <laughs> so I don't know. I think age is relative, depending on who it is and uh, what they're capable of doing. But uh, I definitely feel that uh, you know Trump's loved a life. You know that without alcohol and drugs and other things that. Uh, will allow That's him to, to be, uh, you know, probably pretty healthy for some time to come. So let's jump well, on. Yes. 
Oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, up I agree. Trump is much more vibrant. And I remember McCain when when they were McCain was running for president and they're like, hey, you're pretty old. He's like, well, ask my mother about longevity. Right. Because there was his mother you know, in the audience at a hundred, really old. I forget how old. But anyway, some people do do great in their 80s. You're right. So I'm going to throw something out just on a personal note. My audience that has been listening for a while knows that I'm very active in in racial relations and uh, long before George Floyd. And um, I just see this disparity in voting, this 90 percent Democrat, 10 percent Republican in the black American community, detrimental for politics as a whole, for the Republican Party and for the black community. And uh, so this has been a, a passion of mine for years. And so I'm involved in a lot of different things that um, that are trying to bring people of opposite or polar points of view together. And so I'm, I'm just my text messages have been kind of blowing up because somebody in this group, uh, Jakari, who's over the Black Lives Matter in northern Utah, who, again, we don't agree on a lot of things, but uh, I do think she, her heart's in the right place in, in uh, some areas. And and we went to New York together uh, to do a uh, kind of a racial reconciliation, um, trying to, you know, come together on what we can agree on and what we can't. And uh, so anyway, she sent a text message just just 10 minutes into this program, and uh, it's Concerned Citizens of Utah. And I just don't get this. So anyway, if anybody from Concerned Citizens of Utah are, read, are listening to this, you know, rethink what you're doing here. It says, fun surprise for 2021. We have a group going to Black Lives Matter mural at the city building tomorrow night for a special project. BLM ends when 2020 does. We'll update you afterwards with photos and the finished project. So it sounds like they're going to go up to in Salt Lake City and paint over the BLM uh, mural there. And I just don't think this is a... I just don't think it's good no matter what. I mean, it's um, just something that's like poking the bear just to kind of uh, to cause contention. And it's just not necessary. What are your thoughts on this, Bob? Well, you know, Black Lives Matter is not the NAACP, right? I mean, they're a little more controversial. Uh, they're not the United Negro College Fund that's trying to help blacks. You know, they're They're willing to push the edge a lot more, right? I mean, People are seeing Black Lives Matter, and then they then they see fires and stuff. So they're more edgy, and I can. There's going to be conflict there. Now, I'll give. I know we both like Burgess Owens. Let me give. I, I like him as an example because I think he far more identifies as an American than a Black American. He he loves our values. He loves our country, the Constitution, the freedoms we enjoy, and and I think he's great. I think that's why they resisted him so hard. The Democrats because they did not want to a strong conservative black Republican, you know, cause he could make people follow him. Right. He could, wow. Wow. There's, you know, Hey, maybe there's something to this party and to their conservative point of view. So I think bird, I'd like to see more Burgess, right. Where he's talking about unity, uh, you know, uh, uh, regardless of skin color. I mean, cause I'm glad he got elected. I like Kim Coleman for that race. You know that, but you know, Burgess is a good guy. I think he'll do a great job. And I, I really would like to see a, the more positive spin, you know, so, or maybe Black Lives Matter can kind of reassess itself, you know, what's really going to work because they might have hurt the Democrat Party. Yeah, well, I think they hurt the Democratic Party concept versus organization. But I think more than anything, a move like this gives Black Lives Matter more legitimacy again. It puts them back out in the forefront. I just don't think it's wise on multiple fronts. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it's wise on this is the right move to go on moving forward. I don't think it's wise on as far as like on legitimizing Black Lives Matter as an organization, uh, there's multiple reasons I think this is a bad move. But uh, I just don't think I, I just don't think it's a Trump tater kind of move. I don't think it's one that's outclassing, outshining, and outperforming. I think it's I think it's us, you know, stooping down to their level. And uh, so I, I just don't think it's a good move at all. It would be nice if maybe they could agree on a substitute mural that honored. Um, you know, different races, more of a unity thing. Um, I heard a black, I think it was mother or grandmother, her, her one-year-old, maybe let's say granddaughter was shot in the stroller in New York city. And she made a point of saying, Hey, I thought black lives mattered this year. How come people are letting, letting babies get killed? You should be ashamed of yourself. I remember she was chiding them. She goes, you guys should turn yourselves in. You did wrong. Cause I think that, I think the assailants were black. And she made the point that all that, and she said, baby lives matter. 
I kind of, I kind of like that, you know, that, yeah. you know, maybe there's something where you could unify and, and get a little buy-in from each other and let's put up this mural instead. That's more, more respectful of everyone. I, I don't know. That's maybe a little idealistic. Uh, it, I don't really know the mural. But, 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 I, but I think that's coming together and then doing it together versus just coming out in the dark of the night and painting over something that has been given permission to be there. And, you know what I was thinking about? Because this whole 1619 thing where they're trying to make all white people racist and guilty. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm a veteran, right? And I will tell you, yes, there have been plenty of black draftees, but there have been plenty of black men that volunteered to serve in the U.S. military. And I mean, for, I mean, I think before the Civil War and during the Civil War and ever since, right? So they're, if they're going to f- be willing to fight and die for this country, what, why should we say they didn't love it? You know, maybe they yeah. overlook some of the faults. But I, I, I like that message of let's remember there's been black veterans who served and, and there will be more. And that means they don't hate this country. And same with black police officers. They yes, there may be problems, but they don't they don't despise our society. And I, I, I like that message. I agree. So anyway, I, th- I think uh, I appreciate you coming on, Bob. I, I think we've got to find ways to move forward in a positive way and and fight the battles that we face ahead uh, with positive energy that uplift people, that give people hope and uh, inspiration on how we can best make our communities, our families, and our nation a better place to live. I'll give you the last Absolutely. word here. Absolutely. Well, I like guys like George Washington Carver, right? And here's a guy like fresh out of slavery. He could have he could have had a big pity party, but he didn't. He, he told us all about the peanut, right? How to make peanut oil and peanut butter. And he is very productive. And I think we need to remember to honor those kinds of people, those kind of inventors, black, white, Asian, whatever. Uh, but just a unit. And he was an American. You know, he, he wasn't black first and all mad about it. He's an American. And I, I think Burgess Owens is in that pattern. So um, I want to see that mural lived out and, and we're all Americans. And we need to come again. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Bob. And we'll be back on the Trump Dater tomorrow. Thank you.